The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee's Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post-game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another seminal game day with your seminal insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. The news is great. Florida State wins 20-19 to over Miami, and that doesn't make up maybe for everything we've experienced this season, KJ. But a win over Miami always feels good. Whenever you can uh, steal one from the Canes, and certainly Florida State did just that, uh, you've got to be happy. You know, I was thinking, Tom, as disappointed as I was uh, in the North Carolina game, I have a similar type of feeling because I just really didn't think this Florida State team was going to be able to go down to, to Miami Lakes and, and beat the University of Miami. And so I'm feeling bad for myself or feeling bad about myself uh, for doubting them. Uh, it's, a, it's a similar type of feeling but a different type of emotion, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And uh, so today, by the way, if you're not aware, is Jimbo Fisher's birthday. Jimbo Fisher is 7-0 and against the University of Miami. Now, um, he's not perfect. Uh, you know, you, we, we'll go over this next 60 minutes and we'll analyze, dissect, as everybody does. But 7-0 and against Miami, given the history of this series, that's pretty incredible. And I think it moves him to either, what, 18-1 and against all Florida schools that uh, he's faced. Uh, the one loss uh, coming against the Gators early in his career. Uh, but, yeah, seven consecutive wins over Miami. And I believe this is the sixth consecutive win over Miami in Miami. It's also 10 out of the last 12. Wow. So uh, to put it in further perspective, the series stands now 31-30 in favor of Miami. And so if you do the 10 out of 12 thing, uh, not too long ago it was 29-19 to in favor of Miami, and now it's 31-30 with the Knowles next year having a returning starting quarterback uh, and Miami maybe breaking in a new quarterback if Kaya moves on as FSU goes for eight in a row. But we'll worry about that next year. Uh, so congrats to Jimbo. Happy birthday to Jimbo on that. Uh, more significant from a team standpoint than Jimbo's one-loss record against Miami. Uh, this was a season that I think we both believe could have really fractured and spiraled in the wrong direction uh, if you're on the wrong end of that game last night in Miami. Instead, you're 4-2. No, you're not going to the college football playoff, but you've got a conference win now. And more than that, maybe you've got some trust and confidence and belief and you're excited about the uh, about playing football again. Certainly you've seen, uh, your players have seen, that if they'll come in and start a ball game, and if they'll play with some energy and some enthusiasm, uh, that good things can result from that and of that. And uh, maybe there's lessons to be learned there, uh, lessons the hard way, uh, which uh, you and I have uh, spoken both uh, publicly and privately about uh, youth and uh, lessons we learned when we were young that uh, we didn't have to learn when we got older. Uh, this is still a very youthful, very young Florida State football team. Uh, but hopefully those lessons are learned and maybe a corner's been turned in terms of how they get themselves ready, how they prepare, and how they come out of the chute to start a ball game. Well, one of the uh, the other things about this, and obviously if you've listened to this show, you know we sort of go big picture first, and then we'll break down the offense and defense as the program moves along. We'll hear from Jimbo here shortly. Uh, big picture, it's just ironic that in a series that has had painful, heartbreaking defeats for Florida State, from missed kicks, 
that Miami would get a taste of this and, and lose a game because of a blocked kick by uh, Demarcus Walker and come up one point short. And how ironic that on the night that that happens, uh, Miami is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 1991 Miami team that won the national championship, which was wide right one, which would have been Florida State's championship if they'd have made the kick. Yep, they had that night. They had that '91 team back there. They were honored at halftime, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know th- things. The saying goes, it goes in cycles, and over time, things even out. And it's we got a long way to go to get even on the wide right situation. But that was a step in the right direction last night. We'll take it. All right, let's listen to uh, some of the comments from uh, head coach Jimbo Fisher. Uh, actually, early this morning, technically, when he met the media, it was already on his birthday. And uh, this is courtesy of uh, Seminoles.com. To get up right there at the end and block an extra point when a game could have the minute 38 and the tie to do that. I mean, that, that's a lot of character. Our defense, Charles Kelly and, and the defense, I thought was outstanding today. Uh, they did some really nice things on it, the, and they got put in a bad situation with a punt return right there. We got they, they did a good job on that. We got to get that fixed. Um, we had a chance to score down there early in the game and we threw a pick, uh, and they got momentum and got that's one drive they got, but our kids battled, and then we got to score before half and got it back to a two-score game, got 10 points, and then I uh, got the critical interception in the end zone. That was a big play right there for our guys to get that, and then we go down and get a touchdown and then uh, get back in the game and get the lead, and then we have a chance to put it away, and hang, they hang in there, and you knew it. You, you could just see – I could just sense the game. I said, they're either going to score, we're going to have to go in two minutes, it's going to be a goal line stand or something. I could just feel how the game was going. And uh, But that's Miami-Florida Miami, State. they got a great team. Mark's done a great job with those guys. They played hard. Uh, uh, but, you know, just extremely proud of our kids. I mean, we had so many guys. We got some guys that are banged and bruised, and that's when you come out of this game, it's a physical, physical football game. It always is. It's as physical as any you ever play. And uh, we're going to have to get ready and get healed up and get ready because we've got a really good Wake Forest team coming in next week. I think it was 5-2 and two or 5-1 and one or something like that. I mean, they've got a really good team. So we're going to have to get ready to go but, and get off of this. But, you know, just proud of our kids. That was a heck of a win to come down here and win here. And that was a great atmosphere and environment. Though. That's what college football is about. I mean, that was a great crowd. Their crowd was awesome and uh, everything about it in the national, national game and just proud of our kids. So there's Jimbo and, uh, you know, what he said, and it's true. One way or another, these Miami FSU games, it doesn't matter the record. It doesn't matter the ranking. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter if one team appears to be head and shoulders above the rest, which is not the case this year. Uh, it comes down <laughs> invariably to the fourth quarter in this series. I don't know that he has done this in the past, uh, but we were told uh, during the game uh, that he actually sat down with the team on Friday and went through the Miami FSU history. Because uh, obviously none of these kids were here 25 years ago, uh, and nobody can go back to, to 88 when you go down there and get waxed uh, to open the season when you're preseason number one. Go all the way back to my era uh, where Florida State lost by one to Miami in 1980. Go all the way back to the last time Florida State had beaten Miami seven times in a row, uh, which was in the late 60s and early 70s. So Jimbo took them on a little bit of a history lesson, uh, we we're told, and uh, so some of the kids were, I think, uh, a little bit uh, shocked and or amazed at how significant the series had been. They'd seen some of it, but even in its heyday, uh, when Florida State was during the dynasty years, these kids were in elementary school. They weren't paying attention uh, to what was going on on the national level. And I think by the game being at 8 o'clock, and it being a national broadcast, it being such an entertaining game coming down to the last moment, uh, I think there were a lot of people, maybe millions of people, that were recollecting what this series used to be and maybe were, were poised for it to come back to be that again. 
Well, Demarcus Walker was taking notes on the history lesson provided by Jimbo because he commented in the post-game uh, radio interview I did with him or he did with me on the uh, on the radio network. Uh, he said, "Hey, Knoll Nation, remember the '89 Knolls." And then he proceeded to, uh, you know, so Jimbo pointed that out. Now, the 89 Knolls started 0-2, and then they ran off 10 straight wins, including a big win over Miami, a win over Florida, a win over Nebraska in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, you know, to win out and, and finish with just two losses, that, that'd be a, uh, you know, that, that's a lot when you got Clemson coming in and who's left on the schedule. But the only way you can get there is to do it one game at a time, and what they did against Miami last night was a, was a big step. And I think also as part of it, we'll get into this later in the program, but how they did it. Uh, uh, you know, holding Miami to under 300 yards of offense. Kaya had barely 200 yards through the air. Uh, they really, really did a nice job shutting down the Miami running game. Almost, almost got burnt on a special teams play. You and I had talked during the pregame uh, that uh, I was worried about special teams. Uh, somebody, you know, either a block punt or a, a punt return because Miami had really focused and done done uh, well on those two areas through the early part of the 2016 season. Uh, but all in all, uh, a very, very good win. I mean, the win's great, but how they won it also uh, you can take great pride in. Certainly can. I'll remind you that uh, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. We appreciate uh, the support, certainly, of Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to bring your this show your way each and every Sunday. Keith, uh, a few observations. Uh, some of these uh, we knew, but uh, number one, Dalvin Cook is still a pretty good football player. Number two, DeAndre Francois is a tough kid as a redshirt freshman. And number three, there's some hope for the defense. <laughs> well, let's start it in reverse. Uh, we saw some new numbers. Uh, some of the younger kids getting some increased playing time. Uh, you saw uh, Erman Lane uh, playing at safety. Mm-hmm. He had been a receiver during fall camp. Uh, you saw people making tackles in the open field. Uh, that had been something that Florida State had really uh, not done well. Uh, going back to Francois, yeah, he, he he stood in the pocket. as It reminded me of Casey Weldon. Uh, in the LSU game back in the early 90s when he was just getting his clock cleaned every seemed like every throw and and drug himself back up drug himself off on and off the field and stood in there and made some unbelievably timely throws <coughs> pardon me Francois doing that as a red shirt uh, freshman Casey was doing it as a senior uh, but uh, you saw uh, the, the continued respect that he's earning and gaining from his teammates by what he's able to do by standing in there tall and delivering the football. And as for Dalvin Cook, well, we'll we'll, we'll get to the offense uh, in our next segment, and we'll talk more about Dalvin. We're just getting started. Uh, Twenty to nineteen, FSU wins it over Miami. The Knolls are now four and two, and uh, we'll continue to relive the big win uh, when we return. Stay with us. We are just getting cranked up. Wake up, Knolls returns next on ninety-seven nine ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome back. 20-19, the final score. Florida State wins it. And uh, let's talk offense first here. Dalvin Cook, I mean, Miami, to let one of their own get out of the 305. I mean, he's going to go down as uh, the best running back in Florida State history. 
maybe one of the best running backs or, or best players to come out of Dade County that, that didn't end up going to Miami. I mean, just a tremendous three games. And I'm saying I'm framing this as if we're not going to see Dalvin next year as a senior because I don't think that we will. But obviously he hasn't made that announcement at this point. 27 carries, 150 yards, the long of 54. Uh, added a, a reception in there that was huge. And I think Jimbo did a very nice job of using Dalvin uh, to set up that long touchdown reception that he had. Uh, and I think we saw Dalvin do some things that uh, uh, lead us to believe that he had been hampered a little bit. That, that shoulder probably had been bothering him in the past, uh, but it didn't bother him on Saturday night. And uh, he stuck it in there, Tommy, on some runs, um, you know, where, where there, there was nothing there. There was just absolutely nothing there. And he st would stick it up in there and get two or three. And, and those are unbelievably important yardage, uh, un unbelievably important plays. Uh, Florida State did a very good job on third down. Uh, they were 9 of 17 on third down. Uh, as we talked about again in the pregame, that begins on first down by not getting behind the sticks. And, uh, and, and, uh, and Florida State, uh, it was just a very good running attack that FSU took at the Hurricanes. Well, so as we, we go back to the beginning, the, the downside offensively is that a, a, a pattern repeated itself again, and that is a slow offensive start. It was 13-3 to at halftime. Uh, you look at what Florida State did. They moved the ball a little bit, then bogged down, went for it uh, on fourth down and, and didn't get it. Then uh, I like the call, by the way. I like the decision. And we talked about that this week. It was uh, you know two-down territory, really. It was exactly what we talked about. If you're in long field goal, and it's fourth and four or shorter, just go ahead and go for it. And they did, they did try to go for it there. Uh, then Francois gets hurt. McGuire comes in, hasn't played all year, throws an interception. And uh, the thing about that is that was on the drive where Cook had his long run. And so disappointing there, you didn't get points out of it. Uh, but bottom line, Jimbo was very calm at halftime when he talked to the team. One of the things he emphasized, uh, well, a couple things that, that both showed up in the second half. One was, guys... Uh, the flat is the, the flats are wide open. We're gonna we're gonna use the flats in the second half, and we saw that. He also said uh, stressed the importance of third down, and we saw that the third quarter was incredible when the momentum turned around. I think Francois was ten of eleven in the third quarter. Florida State scores two touchdowns. Kermit Whitfield on his birthday gets the go ahead touchdown in his senior year against Miami. That's a memory he'll always have. But I want to ask you about the fourth quarter. Uh, at Florida State had a a long clock eating drive that started at the end of the third. And it was about a seven-minute drive. It took the clock, the game clock, maybe to nine minutes, and they got the field goal. After that, the next possession, I, I, in my, I had, did not ask Jimbo about this. Uh, Jimbo, to me, usually is not as conservative as what we saw last night, and I think he just felt that they were really running and winning the line of scrimmage, and he could keep doing it. It turned out that Miami wasn't going to go for that at the end. What were your thoughts on the way those last couple of drives unfolded before the one that that, that milked the clock when he ran the bootleg with, with Francois? Well, I think they were just trying to find some things different to do. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times in the play calling, Jimbo will get into a rhythm, and, and, and then sometimes he gets out of the rhythm. And, and then trying to find that rhythm again uh, becomes a little bit of a challenge. Uh, they did attack the flats. Uh, they didn't throw the ball downfield much at all. Uh, some crossing routes later in the ball game, but they were, they were happy to dink and dunk, uh, and, and, and that proved to be successful. Uh, I think also Jimbo was a little bit worried about the pass rush, uh, not wanting to keep Francois back in the pocket long, for some of those longer routes to mature, 
um, you know, in other words, get the ball out quickly because the front for, for, for Miami proved to be as good as advertised. Uh, and those three, those three freshman linebackers were great. Uh, I mean, that, that, that was probably the, the most amazing part of me looking at the Miami team is knowing that their, their linebacker core were, were all freshmen. Uh, you couldn't tell. They played a, a very good ball game. So, um, you know, I, I think I think Jimbo will go back and look at the sequence of those plays. He'll look at back at some of the things he called. He'll probably learn a little bit from that, probably learn a little bit about his team from that. Uh, but all in all, uh, back to one of your original points, Francois, uh, to me, uh, Cook will get all the notoriety uh, because of the yardage. But uh, my, my most valuable player in this particular ball game is DeAndre Francois. Well, I think it has to be. I mean, uh, and he gets the bootleg to seal it, cognizant to stay in bounds and slide on. I mean, that's a that's a good play. Uh, he hasn't really put the ball in harm's way a whole lot, and we're uh, you know we're six we're halfway through his his freshman year right he did now. Fumble twice on one play. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that. <laughs> uh, but in terms of throwing the ball, I mean, I, and I know that uh, you know they're not running everything that's in the plas- the passing playbook there, uh, but. All right. Well, you know, you're talking about DeAndre Francois. Let's uh, let's listen in uh, and, and go back to the the star from the 305, though, and then we'll continue this conversation about the offense. Uh, this was Dalvin Cook after uh, he had another brilliant performance against Miami. Again, courtesy of Seminoles.com. What does it mean for you to move to three and zero against them in your career and seven and zero for a streak? You know, this, this this game right here, you know, is, is one of the game one of the games. I can't afford to take the play in. And one of the reasons why I can't afford to stay, you know, to play in games like this, big time moments like this. And you know, to be undefeated against those guys, you know, it's just tell the type of type of team we are, the type of type of players go fishing recruiting right here. How did you get so open on that pass? You know, I kinda snuck out the backfield without being noticed, which is hard. And, uh, <laughs> So, you know, they kind of let me free, and Francois did a great job of recognizing that because, you know, you could really not see me sometimes, and he did a great job with that. And I snuck out the backfield, and, you know, he hit me on a great pass. Jimbo said you're clinging when the ball was coming toward you. Catch the ball. (laughs) Jimbo said you you can't be tough if you don't have a tough quarterback. What does it mean to see Francois take kind of some of the shots he did but keep coming back? He's been doing that all season. And, like, last week they played when when he ducked the guy. And when he scored, you know, like I told him, man, I'd go to war with him any day. You know, he could be my quarterback. Street ball, wherever we at, you know, I, I go find him and play ball with him. You know, that's just the type of guy he is, type of character he got, type of person he is, man. You know, well-respected on his team, young or not. And, you know, Francois is one of those guys that's confident about his work. And he come to work every day, and he just show everybody that he wants to win. So, you know, that's why everybody respects him as, as a man. For all the game day coverage, game night coverage on Florida State's big win over Miami, go to Seminoles.com. They've got a ton of great content up there, I can assure you. Keith, uh, back to Francois. I mean, he already had the respect of this team coming in, but he's halfway through his freshman year. He's proven he's tough. He's led the biggest comeback in school history against Ole Miss. He had a tremendous two-minute drive last week against North Carolina. Ultimately, uh, we won't remember that because people will remember the field goal, but that was a brilliant drive. Well, it was 20 unanswered points against Miami. And 20, right. I mean, a- after, getting, after getting knocked out of the game twice on big hits. I mean, he's a, he's a gutsy player with a lot of upside. And, and I don't see him flinching. You know, I, I go back, you and I commented uh, on what appeared to be a lost a lost DeAndre Francois on the sidelines uh, in the second half of the Louisville game. He looked like a redshirt freshman. 
that had uh, been hit and, and didn't know what was going on and didn't know what he would do. And he has, he has so um, beautifully come back from that. Uh, we, we, we just, almost like Jameis, uh, we, we tend to forget he's still young. He's, he's played six ball games. Right. Um, what he's able to do and deliver and standing tall and delivering the football, uh, you know, we saw. The other thing that you saw quite a bit of, particularly in the second half on those long drives, is him getting Florida State in and out of plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't know how much authority uh, Jimbo would admit that he's given DeAndre at the line of scrimmage, but it's a lot. And he's done a lot of changing of plays at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, getting out of a bad play, getting into a better play. Uh, we saw him convert some third and fourth downs with a quarterback sneak. Uh, we haven't seen that previously. Uh, I mean, it, it, his maturity, his maturation process, uh, I think, is off the charts through six ball games of this his redshirt freshman year. By the way, just to finish up, you mentioned uh, he's tough like Casey Weldon in our first segment. Second person that said that to me since the game ended, the, the first was Andy Surratt, Gene Deckerhoff's longtime spotter on the uh, on the FSU radio network. He said, man, this kid is Casey Weldon tough. And, uh, and that is a compliment because Casey was as tough as they come. Uh, other offensive things, uh, it, it, I talked about the third down conversions. Auden Tate had a big third down catch. Maven Saunders had a tremendous diving catch. Uh, we're starting to see other weapons there. And then, uh, you know, Kermit Whitfield, had a big game in a big spot. It was on his birthday. He got the go-ahead touchdown, uh, had seven or eight catches, whatever the total was, and he'll finish his career unbeaten against Miami. Uh, Bobo had a tough catch in there. I mean, I think collectively it was a pretty good effort. Kermit and Bobo both had seven catches. Uh, Whitfields went for 83. Wilson's went for 48. Um, I think we have said publicly, I know one time Jimbo has said in front of the team about one of them, uh, we'll let that one remain nameless, but those two kids, Whitfield and Wilson, that, that Jimbo needed more out of them, needed them to perform better, needed them to know how to line up, needed them to uh, catch the ball, needed them to run the right route, uh, all the things that go into that. And uh, this game impressed me. I think the two old guys uh, stepped up. Uh, Travis uh, Rudolph had two catches. He extends his uh, consecutive catch streak. Uh, games with a catch to 23 or 24, whatever it is at now. But uh, hats off to the old receivers. I think they uh, they made a move and, and showed a little bit in this ball game. Hats off to the offensive line as well. Even though at the uh, you know the last drive or two, Florida State didn't get the first downs that they wanted, they really controlled the line of scrimmage in this game. Particularly in the first half. Yeah. First half, they set the tone. There was some breakdowns in the second half. Francois was sacked one time, one time officially. Uh, but uh, the running game really got going in the first and second quarter. You could you could see that offensive line moving the point of attack two and three yards at a time. Uh, yes, they, they probably played their best ball game of the year. It was a physical game. I mean, think about the second half. Landon Dickerson goes down. Now he did return. Alec Eberle got hurt, but he never missed a series. And Kareem R. and I don't know what happened to Kareem as he was in agony for a while and then left. But uh, it was physical. It took its toll. But Florida State gets the win 20-19. to uh, good job of the offense to come back, and FSU is now 4-2. and two. Now, the defense, let's discuss that when we continue right after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. 
Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Time to talk defense for Florida State, and one game does not mean that uh, everything is completely correct and there's no more issues to fix. Uh, we knew going in that this would be a more traditional pro set type offense, and that would be a better matchup for Florida State defensively. Having said that, Keith, I really didn't this, expect this to be a 20 to 19 game. I thought if Florida State won, it was going to be 41-40 or one of those type games. I, I did as well. I thought the scoring was about half of what I anticipated. Uh, I, I thought we were going to end up with a track meet. Uh, Florida State's defense had just not shown me that they were capable of consistently shutting down uh, an opponent's offense. And uh, I'll go back to the comment you just made. We made it in the pregame. We said it during the week. We said it Wednesday night on our show that uh, this might be, though, though Miami's very good offensively, this might be the best type of offense for this defense to face right now. Uh, Kaya is not a threat to run, although he's very good in the pocket. They did roll him out a little bit, but he's not a, a dual option uh, quarterback, so right. you're not worried about him hurting you with his legs. Uh, you know that Mark traditionally likes to go out of the power eye, uh, so you're not going to see a bunch of exotic sets, not going to be a lot of no back, uh, so you can prepare a little little more that way. I did think that uh, Kelly would, would dial up some pressure with the blitzes. I don't recall a lot of blitzing on Florida State's uh, side of the ball. Uh, they did end up with three sacks on Kaya. I thought the front four, uh, Naughty and Christmas and, and uh, Jones, uh, probably played as good as we've seen them play in the last couple of ball games. Um, but it was just a formula that you thought going in might better suit this defense uh, in terms of them getting ready to play and what they had to execute. Well, Derek Noddy was healthy for the first time since the Louisville game. He, he hurt his ankle in the Louisville game in the first half and has not been what we expected since then. He hasn't been able to get a push, and this week he was close to 100%, maybe at 100%, and that showed up front for them. And then when you talk about the – I don't know if that this played into it or not, but uh, Matthew Thomas got ejected for targeting at one point, so now you're playing a young linebacker who really hasn't played a lot. Nate Andrews got hurt. So now you're playing safeties back there, and I want to get your opinion on Ehrman Lane, who really haven't played a lot. Uh, so, so let's let's and I, again, I don't know if that factored into the blitzing, non-blitzing, but uh, Florida State got a really good defensive effort from a lot of guys that hadn't been out there as a group together. And we'll start with Ehrman Lane. This guy uh, has been a wide receiver. He's in his third year at FSU. He was sinking on the depth chart, and he went to the coaching staff for Jimbo and said, I want to move to defense and play safety. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think he was going to see the light of day anytime soon. And worth Now, the, granted, there's injuries, but he looked like a guy that has a future there. He looked comfortable. Uh, he made some mistakes, uh, but he looked like he belonged. He was going downhill, not backpedaling. Exactly. I mean, he was, and he was bringing effort. And again, we'll go back and we harp on this and harp on this and harp on this. But that's the that's the one thing that happened. They started quick. Pugh had the sack on the first play of the ball game. Uh, I just I just thought that 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 they showed more of what they were capable of doing. Now. I, I didn't ask him. You didn't ask him. I don't know if Coach Kelly, uh, you know, uh, condensed the playbook a little bit. I don't know if he took some things out. Uh, I don't know, you know, what his thought process was in terms of how he went about calling the game. I just know that there was a better performance, performance both in terms of lining up, 
and executing a call as well as communication after the snap and then effort you you saw some kids flying around the football for the first time and uh, I, I think and you and I've talked about this a lot when, when you're dealing with something from the neck up and, and, and attitude and energy and effort is, is all mental it's all controllable I can control that I'm the one that decides how much I'm going to do of that. And once you start getting some buy-in from these kids and understanding that that's what they've got to do on every play, not every other play, not two out of three plays, not two out of three series, not one out of three quarters, but every play. And I think by bringing those young kids in, Coach Kelly and his staff are sending a message to the starters, who are also still young, but to the starters, look, Playing time is, is the one thing we can use as a carrot or a stick. And if you're not going to put forth the effort, we're going to play the young guys. And that's exactly what they did. Ermin Lane, but we'll talk about the young guys at, at corner here momentarily. Ermin Lane, I would expect uh, we'll see more playing time here. Nate Andrews, I don't know this definitively. Uh, FSU probably doesn't know this definitively as a, as I uh, as you know, as the show airs, but uh, he hurt his shoulder, and uh, they they tried to put a harness or a brace on it, and he just couldn't go. I, I'd have to think you've got one game in a bye week. This is just purely conjecture on my part. I think the soonest we see Nate back would be Clemson. I agree. He was in uh, street clothes basically in the second half uh, after trying to go back in a second time in the second quarter. Yeah, I agree with you. So Ermin Lane will continue to play. Derwin James isn't going to be back this week either. Same deal there. You get this week, then you get a bye week. I think the soonest we'd see Derwin is Clemson. But So now let's go to the, the young corners. One of the significant changes that Charles Kelly made the dime defense, the dime package, uh, basically an obvious passing situation on third down when they're bringing in six DBs. They brought in two true freshmen, Levanta Taylor and Kyle Myers, and uh, they were part of the group, and they played well. They gave effort. Uh, as I make my comment, I go back to the other part. When they were coming in, they probably weren't doing some of the exotic things they like to do in the dime package. Uh, they kept it basic. But both of those freshmen came in. Both of those freshmen had significant playing time. And by my estimation, both of those freshmen played well. In other words, they, they gave effort and they performed. Uh, I think you'll see them and uh, continuing to get some of that PT. Before the question gets asked, if you're wondering why haven't we seen Levanta Taylor, he was he was dinged for the last few weeks and he hadn't had his burst. I think it was a leg or a, a, a quad or something like that. Uh, but now he's healthier again, so that's why he's an option there if, you, if you're asking yourself that question. Another change that was made is that uh, Trey Marshall – was in the star position uh, basically for first and second down. Now, in the dime package, he was back as a more traditional safety, if you will. But that was a change because that's where Marcus Lewis had been uh, of late. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk that maybe Trey's better suited for that role, but you've had injuries at safety, so he's been back there. Hasn't been able to get in the mix at star as much. The one guy that, that you know, continues to show the flashes and then continues to just show that he's young is number four. Uh, McFadden uh, had the, had the interception uh, on a ball that was underthrown. That uh, wasn't a spectacular uh, play on his part, kind of in the right place at the right time. But then gave up the touchdown pass, Miami's last touchdown pass, uh, on a ball that he was in position to make a play on, and just didn't do it. Uh, 
And so the highs and the lows of what he brings, such a great talent, but still is struggling to perform uh, 100% on every play and then to execute on every play. Uh, I think that'll continue to be a little bit of a soap opera. You can't afford not to play him, but you can't afford to play him too much or rely on him too much because you don't know what you're going to get just yet. He said after the game that he he lost the ball in the lights when he turned around. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm not making excuses for him. But, yeah, clearly there's been ups and downs. He does have four picks now, which is among the nation's leaders. Uh, but, obviously, there's room for improvement there. I want to go back to one other thing about Levante Taylor, by the way. Another change that they made is he had been working at the star, uh, which is a little more complex in terms of what your assignments are. And they went ahead and moved him back outside to a more traditional corner, which lightened the load there. Uh, and that's another reason that he was able to play, not just because he returned to health. All in all, uh, effort's probably the biggest thing, but knowing your assignments as well, Keith, I mean, if you take those two things, now you're not going to win every play, but you're going to be in a lot better shape against whoever you play if you can just get those two things right. Florida State held Miami to just 62 yards on the ground. Uh, Kaya threw for 214. As I mentioned, he was sacked three times. I uh, did have the one pick. Uh, if you had told me that you would achieve those numbers going into the ball game, uh, you know, normally the response is, I'd have told you Florida State would have won. Uh, I would have told you you were nuts. It's just not going to happen. Uh, that's why I go back to the comment I made in uh, segment one. Uh, my emotion is as strong in I don't, I can't really believe this is how well they played as it was in the disappointment of losing the UNC game. This, this is a big step, if it can be continued, a big step for this 2016 Florida State defense. Well, and Jimbo's message, not just to the defense, but to the team after the game was, guys, there's no going back. You know, now We've moved the bar here. There's no going back. Practice, games, we're not going back to where we are. We're going forward. And, uh, you know, all, all in all, it was, it was a good win. It was good steps, a good win for Charles Kelly. And uh, it was nice to see and, and, and remember, and, again, this, this is from the excuse column, if you want to put it there, Derwin James is an important part of that defense that hasn't been out there for some very key games. And, and to be fair, Florida State did catch some breaks in this game, much like they did even in the Carolina game. You had the Miami touchdown that was called back. Uh, you had uh, a couple of situations where uh, Florida State was successful on fourth down, um, you know there, there were some breaks in the ball game. Uh, you make your breaks, or at least you make taking advantage of those breaks. Uh, but Florida State had some good fortune. Let's hope that continues as well. All right, we'll step aside here and we'll come back. This is a series that uh, quite often has come down to a kick. And it did once again, only uh, literally the shoe is on the other foot this time around. And <laughs> we'll discuss that when we come back. Stay with us. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you as we wrap up Florida State's 20-19 win over Miami last night. And once again, wish happy birthday to Jimbo. Happy birthday to Kermit, who's turned uh, either 22 or 23 yesterday and uh, had the, the go-ahead touchdown. Let's, uh, let's get to the way this thing finished up, though, Keith. Uh, Miami ties it. And everybody just assumes we're going to overtime at that point. Although there was a minute and a half left, and Jimbo was going to get that offense down the field. Well, Miami gets to within one. They're trying to tie it. Right. 
that's a better way to say it. Obviously, that's the accurate way to say it. But everybody assumes you score a touchdown, you've got seven points. I mean, nobody's thinking there's any chance that you're going to, even though we just saw it last week against North Carolina, nobody in the stadium was thinking there might be a blocked PAT. And lo and behold, this time around, it was Demarcus Walker that got it. And how, how about what we learned after the, after the game? Uh, Florida State was going to go after this one. You know, a lot of times on PATs, they'll, they'll kind of just hold hold ground and make sure it's not a fake, make sure you don't give up a trick two-point uh, attempt, that type of thing. But sig- signal goes in. Let's, let's block it from this side. And, and the kids go, no, we don't think so. And they actually changed the call. Well, and it was actually Demarcus Walker, and he told me this after the game, that, uh, and I don't remember if it was the left or the right, but whatever it was, Demarcus said no, and it was it was Coach Hagens, Odell Hagens, is who he was talking with that I guess manages this part, this aspect of the special teams. Said no, Coach, we need to go the other way. Based on, and so I followed up. I said, is that something from film study? He said no, it wasn't film study. He said it was from their first two field goal attempts. This is where I knew they were a little weak in their protection, and so he. He, he basically, well, he couldn't overrule Coach, but he talked Coach into making the change. They made the change. They, they blocked from the other side, and lo and behold, he gets the block in a 2019 win. Uh, very improbable. I, was, uh, I, had, uh, I had left the booth. Um, I was standing outside uh, collecting, recollecting my thoughts uh, <laughs> after the touchdown and was watching a monitor and, and wasn't paying a lot of attention. And just kind of was looking and, and rolling my eyes and looking, and all of a sudden I saw that ball come out of there almost sideways uh, after after Walker got his hand on it. Uh, I, I, that was the furthest thing from my thought process, and I'm sure uh, 65,000 plus in uh, Hard Rock Stadium didn't anticipate it either. Seminole Hard Rock Stadium, by the way, we've officially renamed it. Renamed it. We've, okay. we've renamed it. Yeah, the, the, it was uh, stunned looks. Uh, all over, as you would expect. Um, So let's talk about where it goes from there. So now there was a buck and a half left in the game, something like that, which to finish my earlier thought, Florida State had three timeouts, two timeouts. I think they had two timeouts. Uh, They were going to get a chance to at least get a field goal off. I'm quite confident. So Miami fans may have assumed overtime. That game wasn't necessarily headed to overtime, even if we're tied at 20. In my opinion, we'll never know, and it's a moot point. So Oh, you want to jump in on that? No, I was just going to say Miami had three timeouts remaining themselves. Right. With uh, a minute sixteen, whatever it was, on the clock. So they had their hand, they had their kickoff team, they had their onside team out there, but they chose to kick the ball deep, which was the correct the correct call because you want to you got to save field position. Uh, Kermit, I made that point on the radio. Yes. Kermit got the ball back out only to like the twelve or the fifteen, and that's where Florida State took over. You've You've got an opponent with three timeouts, which means you've got to make a first down or you're going to give the ball back to them at midfield or better. Finish up this point. It actually was a really good play because FSU had the hands team, which means they weren't set up for any kind of return. So you didn't even get a return to the 20. You got to the 11 or 12. If FSU went the other way and had its normal team out there, then you onside kick because it's not the hands team. So I, with three timeouts, I thought that that was the smart play for, for Mark Rick, and that's what he did. Uh, what Jimbo did, and he hadn't done it the previous two drives, I mean, on those trying to move the sticks downs, they were running Dalvin. They were running Dalvin. They were running Dalvin. So ultimately what shows up the game is the fake to Dalvin 
and a bootleg, and the quarterback gets the first down. And that simple math, because Miami had already taken one of its timeouts, maybe two, I don't remember the exact sequence, I guess one, that ended the ball game. Well, and, and you know, you talk about killing the clock. Traditionally, you talk about what's called the four-minute drill because uh, you want to milk the clock plus or minus four minutes. You obviously had only 116 left, so you go in the same mentality. Two key things there. Number one, Cook had a real nice run around to the right side of the offense and knew to get down, knew to get down. Uh, because you know if you go out of bounds under two minutes, that clock stays. Mm-hmm. You, you go down, it stops for the first down, but once the sticks get set, it starts back again. And then on the bootleg uh, quarterback run that you're talking about, uh, uh, DeAndre did the same thing. He got down, not not allowing himself to get pushed out of bounds. Uh, that's that's just kids you know, paying attention, knowing what the drill is, knowing what they need to be doing, and then going out and executing it. And, uh, and uh, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. No, it was uh, what a finish and uh, great job by Florida State to win that 20-19. to We'll get a few more thoughts and we'll uh, start looking ahead to Wake Forest. I'll remind you once more, a big thanks to the folks at uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can visit them online at ctf.nu. So Florida State, seven in a row over Miami, Keith. Wow. They get a chance to tie up the all-time series at home next year. DeAndre Francois will be back. Dalvin Cook probably won't be. Miami may be breaking in a new quarterback. It's going to get interesting. Very. We'll look at it. Uh, we'll talk about that game next year. This week we get Wake Forest. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about Wake Forest right now, but they are five and one, and they've done a nice job of turning that program around since since Jim Grobe has moved on. Uh, I will always remember Wake Forest coming into town and beating Florida State thirty to nothing, uh, and that that the taste in my mouth over that game. Uh, will never leave. That's the game that ultimately brought Jimbo Fisher to Tallahassee. Exactly. And and you just can't lose 30 to nothing to Wake Forest. Uh, you certainly shouldn't lose to Wake Forest in 2016. Uh, I know they've uh, turned that program around a little bit. Uh, and as you mentioned, they'll come in at 5-1. and one. But uh, that that's a game that Florida State needs to have a good week of practice, as you've talked about and as Jimbo reminded the kids. Came back up, got to keep moving forward. Bar is now up another level. We've got to do the same, same things this week that we did last week, plus a little more, and get ready for the Demon Deacons. Yeah, and with due respect to Wake Forest, to me, it's it's really much more, and we've said this, it's much more about Florida State. Take take care of what Florida State can do, and, and you'll get better results. Uh, I, I really think that uh, now you can't assume it. They've, they've got to do it, but I do think that the win over Miami can be a springboard for this team because there was good effort there. There was good energy there. It was on the sideline. Uh, another thing that, you know, in this past week, the media started talking about is there, you know, divisiveness on the team. Dissension, I think they refer to. Offense. I I haven't seen any of that, and I'm in the locker room a lot. I mean, it's, you know, there's one team, one heartbeat. There's a lot of that type stuff. I mean, it was just a significant win for them. And I I do think, going back to some comments that were made after the UNC loss, you know, Dalvin took a little bit of heat 
for a couple of comments he made after the game. He he, he was he clarified them, you know, back to the dissension offense versus defense, that type of thing. But his comments were spot on. Uh, his comments were basically, we the offense, we, we've come out, we've played well. The defense has got to play well or we can't win as a team. And that was a very factual uh, statement that I would hope uh, resonated with some of the defensive players. Uh, you, you listen to the coaches say it, but now your running back's telling you he needs more effort out of you or we're not going to be able to achieve what we need to achieve as a team. Uh, I think you listen. Final thought from you, Keith, and we can talk about this more on the front row Wednesday night at 6 right here on 97.9. They've got to put their finger on the slow starts, and I don't know if that's nerves. I don't know I, I don't know what it is. Do you have anything? <laughs> Pardon me. The only thing I have, and this is a silly thing, is, is, is Jimbo. You know, his style is so in your face, and so they practice so hard, and, and it is such a tension field. You know, hour and a half, two hours, two fifteen during the week, and they make the statement. You know, we make practice hard, so the games will be easy. Well, now they get to the game and they think it's supposed to be easy. That's not a real good explanation, but that's all I got. Yeah, and I don't have one either. Well, we'll let's make it a point to dive deeper into that because that is something that's, I mean, it's it's bitten Florida State uh, already this year, and it's something that they got to get fixed. But uh, the good news is it's always more fun to do the fixing when you're coming off a 2019 win over Miami. As our good friend Gene Deckerhoff likes to say, gentlemen, winning is good, losing is bad. <laughs> And there you go. Keith, Twas fun as always. I'll see you on Wednesday, folks. Uh, enjoy it. Seven straight over the cane. So long for now.